0: Well, good morning. It's a blessing to be gathered together. Such wonderful singing. Very inspiring. Thank you for that. You seem like an eager bunch to talk to this morning. I was so blessed with a number of the songs, but particularly that last one we sang, I... I just couldn't help but think that if we would really catch all that we're saying and singing in this song, discerning the will of God wouldn't really be a problem, would it? I don't think it would. If we would just gaze at the cross for a long time and survey it. Look at it from different angles, this angle and that angle at the cross of Jesus. And behold, the Prince of Glory on that cross. The Prince of Glory. You would behold him and you would look at him and you would gaze at him and we would consider him from this angle and this angle. And, and then we would lay all our riches, or all the things that are important to us or that stand often in the way or make it difficult for us to discern the will of God. And we would set that beside that and we would compare them. Which one would it be? Songwriter said, pour contempt on all that. Pour contempt on all that. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my Lord, all the vain things that charm me most. Isn't that often the things that make it hard for us to at least to obey, to do the will of God, is the things that charm us, things that uh, arrest our attention. He says, I sacrifice them all to his blood. Boy, that would go such a long way if all of us would get a hold of that. See from his head, his hands and feet, sorrow and love flowed mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? What's the answer? Never before. Never. Or thorns composed so rich a crown. What a king. What king wore a crown of thorns before? I haven't ever heard of one wearing a crown of thorns. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my will my life, my all. I told the uh, group of girls that we were with yesterday uh, that the best way to serve the Lord is to serve him because you love him. And that's how the songwriter ends up here. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. I'd like for us to kneel together for prayer if we can. Before the Lord in reverence, Lord, thank you for this opportunity here in this, our day that we can gather for a week of Bible teaching, Lord. Oh, I think of the song that we sang this morning, God, come, oh, come and thy people bless and give thy word success. Lord, do that this morning as we look at the topic of discerning your will. Father, what a what a nice thing to consider this morning. The will of our God, the will of, of the Father. And Lord, I pray for insight and that your Spirit would illuminate to our heart, Lord, and we would be able to better do your will, God, by this teaching this morning. Lord, bless the preaching of your word once again. Without you, God, we can do nothing. Oh, Jesus. We look to you this morning, God. We ask these favors in Jesus' name. We look to the great teacher this morning, the greatest teacher, Jesus Christ. Come and your people bless and give your word success, dear Lord. Lord, these are precious souls sitting here and most of them, many of them have parents at home that are praying for them, God, and praying that you would bless them and praying, praying that you would work in their hearts, Lord, and praying that you would establish them and root them and ground them in the truth, God. Oh, this is our prayer this morning, dear God, that, that, that this group of young people could go forth being stronger in the Lord. Oh, Father, I pray for this. Come, give your word success. Come and bless your people this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Okay, our topic this morning is discerning, the, discerning God's will or discerning the will of God. Discerning God's will. <clears throat> and when you consider the word discern, that I think brings with it, when, you, when you're trying to discern something, you're not quite sure. You're looking at something and you're discerning what What is it saying? And so when we think about that in light of God's will. That becomes pretty important, doesn't it? That we come out at the right place. That we discern the right thing. In our discerning. I had to think. You know, God could have wrote everything in black and white. Every detail that we would have needed to live and, and, and uh, ever choose from in life. He could, have, he could have wrote that. But can you imagine the manual that would have been? Volumes of every detail of our life that now God asks us to take his word and figure out what is, what is his will. He has a very clearly revealed will that I think most of us know here this morning. And then there are some specifics that we need to figure out and make application. And I'm sure that's probably what you're really wanting to know. You know, those details, what does God want me to do here? A question that I have for us to start off with here is, so does God, this high and holy and almighty and all-wise creator God that spoke everything into existence that we see, does he expect us, small, mortal human beings, to know and understand and do his will? What do you think? that's really something this high and holy God that no one can approach to he dwells in light and yet he expects us to know and do his will very clearly I can find it here quickly I have it here somewhere. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. There it is. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You'll find that in Ephesians 5:17. Also Paul prayed for the Colossians. And had a desire that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Do you think we can ever get to that place? Where we would be filled with all wisdom, filled with all knowledge, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding? He also told the Colossians that ye might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Wow. I think that's pretty amazing. The second thing for us to think about here this morning is. I've already alluded to this that I think probably all of you know God's general will for mankind. I doubt there's anyone here that doesn't know that. Somehow we all know it's God's will that we don't kill. We just know that, that it's wrong to steal, that we shouldn't lie. Somehow we know when we get angry, we're stepping outside of God's will, right? We all know that. We just know that. God put that in us. God gave us a conscience that tells us this is not what we should do. We also know that we should always be thankful we know that. Somehow we know that. everyone sitting here. We know that we should be kind. We know that it's, it would be God's will that we would always respond like Jesus. I don't think there's anyone here that wouldn't know that. We know that it's God's will that we are like a servant. We have the heart of a servant. There's really no, uh, not a big need for discernment. On this one is there. That's pretty black and white. Someone said it like this to know the will of God is the greatest knowledge. To do the will of God is the greatest achievement. And I guess that's where I'd like to end up today. Is to take what we already know and bring it down here to our hearts. And 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 look at that look at look at that right there that's where a big issue often lies with us it's not so much that we don't know the difficulty comes our will stands in the way of doing god's will i think if we're honest that's pretty much how it is so the general will of god we we probably know that Very clearly this morning, what about the more specific things of life? What about like, should I serve on foreign missions or should I just serve at home? That's a real question that youth struggle with sometimes. What's God's will in this? I, you know, I'd like to go, but does he want me to go and, and both are good. What then? How do we discern God's will then? Maybe that's a little more what we're aiming for this morning. Another common one, should I get married or not? What's God's will for me in that area? Both are, are, are okay. What about should I purchase this versus that when neither are wrong in and of themselves? How should it be? I'd like to talk about that for a little bit. That last one. Discerning God's will in a more specific, in the more specific areas of our life. Three things that I usually recommend that we uh, we consider when we're when we're trying to discern God's specific will in my life. Should I go to the foreign field? Should I stay? Should I buy this or that? You know, and all you fill in the blanks. <clears throat> Three things. The first one's pretty simple, pretty easy, I think. First of all, does it pass God's general will? Is it okay with God's general will? Is it a good thing in and of itself? I doubt it that it would be ever God's will for you to long-term take a job at a bar, for example. That's really not a question for a Christian. He may call you to go there as a missionary, but... uh, you know, it would be on different terms. So, you know, is what you are doing okay with God's general will? So if you rule that out, then you're going on to the next one. And this one has to do with asking godly people for advice. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So that is a very important step for you to do, for us to take in trying to discern God's will in big decisions of our life. When we're at a crossroad and we could go either way and we're not sure what to take, which way to take. That is a very important step to consider. God's uh, counsel from godly people. Now, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 to a verse that we all know very well, very familiar with, and probably heard many sermons preached on it, Romans 12. But I wonder if you ever noticed the context of this verse. The verses that are really one is Romans 12.2. That ye may prove, and and here comes the title of this whole discussion. This word prove means discern. Another word for prove is discern. Second part of verse 2. That ye may discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now let's go back and start in verse 1. I beseech, or I beg you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove or discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, that every man, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. That's all the father I need to read, I think, to make the point here that this verse is in the context of the body of the church. Did you see that? It's in the context of the body. So in your times of trying to discern God's will, don't think of yourself too highly. But rather, consider other people's advice, other members of the body. More than one. Take quite a few for big decisions in your life. And, uh, and consider what they are saying. That is a very, very, very important point in discerning God's will. And the third one is connected right to it. And that is, are you listening? Am I willing then to do whatever the outcome of the decision. That is key. That is so key. Are you really neutral on the matter? You know, if if we're really honest with our own hearts, many times we have a little hidden opinion or a secret desire that I would really rather do this than that. And sometimes we try and manipulate and orchestrate things that they go that way. But we see in this, in this portion of Scripture here in verse 1 that, first of all, he begs us by the mercies of God that we present our bodies a living sacrifice. Just lay it all on the altar. You'll come out right when you do this. You will do the will of God. If in your seeking to discern God's will, you allow your will to be totally sacrificed to God. That's the problem. The problem is our will. It really is. And it's kind of a big problem. It's a problem that doesn't go away very quickly. You may be truly converted, truly born again, and still have to deal with this thing many times in life. This thing of the will. To be able to come to the place where, I can, where we can say, I'm willing to do whatever. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to stay. I'm willing to buy this. Deep down in my heart, I would really rather want this. I really like this thing. There's something special about this. But both would serve the purpose. You know what I'm talking about. Things we like. Things we buy. Things we have strong feelings for. This brand is better than that brand. You know. You want to discern God's will? Deal with that issue right there. And you will be making headway. This is a process. We also see that in this verse. In this portion of scripture here. It's not a once and quick done and over with thing. We see it in verse 2. Be ye transformed. Who knows the Greek word for transform? I'm sure someone does. It's the thing that the butterflies go through. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. That's right. And you all know that process, that cocoon, that that caterpillar goes in and into that cocoon and it's in that dark, damp grave, if you will, for quite a while. And it's called the transformation. Transformation. And I think that's the place we go to from saying either one are good, but it doesn't matter. And you will come out, not a caterpillar, but a butterfly. You will come from being something that crawled way down low to something that flies and is beautiful. It's something we all want. I'm sure it is. I know it is. But the process is hard. The process is is not easy. Sometimes harder than others. Sometimes longer. Sometimes more bitter. Sometimes more agony. It's probably just how hard the tentacles of our heart are attached to the matter. Until we're ready to just let go and let God. And then we can truly and really do and discern God's will. That brings me to the next part of the message. And I want to spend most of the rest of the message on that part. We're going to look at the life of Jesus as an example. And you can turn with me to Luke 22. We're going to draw some examples from the life of Christ here in his experience in the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't know if you remember, but Brother uh, Clint shared in his testimony yesterday about something about a personal Gethsemane, or he came to his Gethsemane in his life. And I think that's something that we all need to come to, to a greater or lesser degree. Maybe sometimes in life, a few times, a number of times, where we wrestle through, And we are not the same afterwards. You know what I'm saying? We are not the same afterwards. So let's read in Luke 22, beginning in verse uh, 39. And he, Jesus, came out and went as as he was wont to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place... He said unto them, Pray ye that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Amazing. Amazing and being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground when he arose when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples he found them sleeping for sorrow and he said unto them why sleep ye rise and pray lest ye enter into temptation and i believe in one of the other gospels he did that three times. He came back the third time and found them sleeping for sorrow. <clears throat> but we see here a issue of the wills. Hadn't Jesus said earlier on in his life, "I always do the will of my father?" Yes, he did. He said that I always do the will of my father. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish it. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will. What was this? Jesus has said this back in John five. I seek not mine own will. What was this right here that we just read? Father, can this cup be passed from me? Not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. So here we have Jesus. It's a wrestling of the wheels. <clears throat> but the first point I want to uh, sh- have a see here when we are brought to this place, when when we finally come to the place where where we're going we're gonna to wrestle this thing out. Jesus gives us a warning here, and this is something for you to consider. In your life, as you go through life and you come up against things where you go into this wrestling. He says in verse 40, pray that ye enter not into temptation. We know there were strong temptations there. I believe Jesus was in every area tempted like as we are. And so he was tempted to take the shortcut. He was tempted. In fact, I, I wondered if this is not why he... His own will came up. He was was God, but he was also man. So he had his own will to deal with. And in that crucial moment, his mind, his flesh, his own will, his earthly part of him, I don't want to do this. And he said, he, he actually prayed the words, Father, if you would be willing, take this away. But it, you know, it didn't last long, but not my will. I mean, it was there. Maybe it was a temptation even to, to run or to be overcome with grief at this important moment or to be overcome with fear. This is more than I will be able to handle. We know that he knew in three days he will rise again. So what was it really that he was struggling with? I can't think of anything else other than his flesh and his will, his man part of him that we that we'd wrestle with as well. He was tempted to take a shortcut. Even before this, he was, you know, he was tempted by Peter. Peter when one day he was describing to Peter how he's going to die, and Peter took him and rebuked him and said, this, this isn't going to happen to you, and he said, get behind me, Satan. So maybe that came back to Jesus' mind at that moment. And, and, and it was a strong temptation. And he reminded his disciples that they should beware to not enter into it. It's one thing to be tempted, but then another thing to enter into it. We all are tempted, but beware to not enter into it and take it. Pray ye that ye enter not into temptation. So when you're wrestling with a big decision in your, in your life, maybe a prayer to start with, Lord, from the words of Jesus, watch over me that I don't enter into the temptation to take a shortcut and come out doing my, my own will. Then you know what has to happen? God just has to ha- take us right back through again. If, if we win the fight, So pray ye that ye enter not into temptation, strong temptation there. Number two, we notice this is a very private place, a very personal place when God really deals with us in this way. He was withdrawn from them a stone's cast. This is a place that is very private, very personal. It's not a place where you can take your friends along. It's you and God. You remove yourself a stone's cast, and there you lay your will down. You wrestle with it. It's a place of aloneness. No intervention from man. You might remember that Abraham, he left his servants, and he took Isaac. The mountain to make the ultimate sacrifice. Just him and Isaac. What is your Isaac? What is my Isaac? For Abraham it was his son. And it was just Abraham and Isaac. No one else. Jacob. He sent his family over the brook. Family and his servants. And he alone wrestled with God. That night. And did he ever come out changed? I think that's what we want. Then he could see the will of God. He came out. God changed his name. God gave him a limp. He was so changed. Moses, after his self-ambitioned attempt to deliver his brethren in Egypt, fled and ran to the backside of the desert. And there God met him in the burning bush, all alone. And after some wrestling with God, God, I can't talk. I can't do it, God. Finally, he yielded. Moses, God, and the burning bush. It was the will that needed to die, and then, then the will of God could be could be done. This thing is so, so real to us. This is a place number three. It's a place where you kneel down. Even Jesus himself knelt down. Why does the Bible record these details? A stone's cast, Jesus kneeling down, Jesus, God's son, kneeling down. It's a posture of of uh, humility. It's a posture of desperation, it's a posture of a beggar begging God. It's, it's a posture of desperation to, to, to get the real answer. And so Jesus kneels down. It's a place when it's more important that we get to the root of the problem than whether we get the knees dirty And we're not going to kneel down. It's more important that we, we get through to God than to have clean clothes. So we forget about that and we kneel down before God. It's not an issue of our posture. Falling asleep is not a problem like it was for the disciples. Jesus had no problem falling asleep, he was working. He was sweating. And God, when you and I are there, God is standing there and saying, Are you going to give me your will? Will you give me your will? Number four, it's a place of prayer, obviously. It's a place of prayer. And being in agony, he prayed. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. The content of this prayer is a struggle between God's will and my will. When when God struck Paul down with light there on his road to Damascus... One of the first things Paul said was, God, what wilt thou have me to do? Peter, you know, he really had, it seemed like a sincere desire to follow the Lord. But when it came down to the crucial moment, he he didn't pass the test a couple of times. He withstood Jesus there. You know, sincere as he was, he needed a deeper work done in his life. And, and when the, in the ultimate failure, Peter's ultimate failure, where he denied the Lord and cursed that he didn't know the man, and Jesus turned his face and looked at him. That's where Peter died. That's where Peter went out and wept bitterly. That's where I believe Peter's conversion at least started. He saw himself. He saw his own will. And he saw what he had done. Number five. I thank the Lord for this point. And it's so much like God. Without him, we could never get through this. With Jesus, there were angels there assisting him. Look at that. Angels came and strengthened him. Well, I, I, I fully believe that in our own personal times of struggling with our will, if we're really sincere, the Holy Spirit is there with us, making intercession to God who knows the mind of God. And he's helping us. And he's helping and he's assisting us, bringing us through. That cocoon experience. He knows. God knows we can't do it alone. We need the Holy Spirit's assistance. It's a place. Next point. Number six, I guess. I have letters here. I'm not sure where I'm at. Point number F. Point F. (laughs) Letters. It's a place of agony. Agonia. Severe emotional strain and anguish this is not a place where you feel good the thing you are wrestling is very personal to you and me and our own personal opinion needs to die God is asking to take something out of us that is very real very personal very alive very sensitive it's our own will. This is me. This is who I am. And I wonder if God allowed Jesus or if Jesus experienced just enough of this in this experience to show us that he was he went through this in his human form as well as in his heavenly being. And. And for a moment, his will came up, and he would have rather not went through. And so it's it's a place of agony. It's a place where we all need to come to, to have a a good Christian experience. Paul said it like this in Philippians six. He said, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. That is major. We need to use the world. We need to have things. We need to buy things. We need to go places. But something happens when this happens. Something changes in the attraction that the world has upon us and our attraction to it. Something deep down. And it's so crucially important. In this matter of truly discerning and doing God's will, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. At this juncture, this is where my world is crucified to me. It may be different than your brother or your sister's world. Remember the words of of Jesus there when he uh, asked, who was it there in the last chapter of John? Was it Peter? I believe to follow him. And and then he turned around and said, well, what about this brother back here? He said, what's that to you? You follow me. At this juncture in your life, this is where your world is crucified. And that thing, young men, that car, that pickup dies and it becomes a tool. Whereas before it was maybe a thing in your life. Ladies, you put in there what the thing is in your life. The thing that you need to live and it's things that we need perhaps every day, but they're way up here in your life. And God wants to come down and wants wants you to die to it. This is where the likes of my life are laid down for his likes. This is where my future gets laid on the altar and it doesn't matter the outcome. That may sound scary to you, but God is good, young people. God is very good. And he's not going to ask you to do something that will hurt you or that you'll, you'll, you'll regret. I've been a Christian since I'm 18 and I don't, I, I don't have any regrets. For being a Christian, the alternative is not better, I tell you. It is not better. While some of these experiences are very hard, very real, very personal, very painful, but you come out a butterfly. You come out a butterfly. The next point, it's a place where you rise up from. You don't stay here. There is a coming out of this valley. There's a coming out of this garden. It's a place where you rise up from. Jesus, it says, he rose up from his prayer and he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And then, uh, and he said in verse 46, why sleep ye? Rise and pray lest ye enter into temptation. Temptation, But it's a place where you rise up from. But when you rise up, things are different. And that's so beautiful. We notice here that Jesus, of his own will, walked into the garden. Look at this. Verse 39, and he came out and he went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. It was his decision to go there. He walked into the garden of his own will, but he was led out at the will of someone else. And that should be an outcome of our experience. Now we're no longer our own, but we walk out at the will of someone else. He was led out at the will of his captors. And I hope that we would all be captors of Christ, captives of Christ, slaves of Christ. Take my ear, Lord, and pierce it. I will serve thee for life. You lead me wherever you want me to go, Lord. And let him lead us out of this garden. We need to go there of our own volition, of our own own will. But coming out is different. Hudson Taylor said this, I am no longer anxious about anything as I realize the Lord is able to carry out his will and his will is my will. It makes no matter where he places me or how or how that is rather for him to consider than for me, for in the easiest position he must give me his grace and in the most difficult His grace is sufficient. That's a tremendous saying. And then so from here on out, you need to practice abiding in Christ. And this takes practice and we probably don't do it perfect. And there may be times where we need to come back to another experience like this. But turn with me to John 15. We need to practice walking with the Lord, staying close to him. We're talking about doing his will. We're talking about being fruitful for the Lord. We're talking about abiding in Christ now. John 15, verse 1 to 8. Very familiar verses, but just consider them in the light of this message. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And isn't it so much easier now that if we're walking with the Lord, abiding in him, when he asks us to do something, we just tell him right away, yeah, go ahead and just deal with it. We don't have to go back to Gethsemane. Just take it out of my life, Lord. Prune it away, cut it off. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bear bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. you have a, you're a clean vessel. You're a clean slate. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, don't wander away from me, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will. Look at that. There comes that word up again. Ye shall ask what ye will. Sean, would you read the rest of that verse? Are you there in John 15? Read the rest of the verse 7 there in the Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. That seems like a direct answer to prayer, doesn't it? Well, I'm sure we don't. Do we always get our prayers answered? I think we should if we are really close to the Lord and we are praying his will. And I have no opinion in the matter. Whatever, Lord, it can go this way or that way. What a life. Answered prayer. Walking with the Lord, abiding in him. Doing his will. Praying for his will. Ye shall ask what ye will. So now my will is his will. And his will is my will. Just like Hudson Taylor said, Ye shall ask what ye will, but now my will is his will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. He almost makes it sound like this is really the only way. So shall ye be my disciples. So shall ye be my disciples. This is the way that you're my disciple if your will is laid on the altar. Paul said such tremendous words when he said that I may know him. We all like that. We all want to know the Lord, that I may know Him. And we like the next phrase too, and the power of His resurrection. We like that part too. We like the power part, that I may know the Lord and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. What about that one? Think about that one. Not only suffering every once in a while, but it seems like you're very close friends to suffering. You have fellowship with suffering. When you fellowship with someone, you, you are close. You're, you're there a lot. He says, and the fellowship of his sufferings and being made conformable unto his death. Wow. Wow. That's about as deep as it can get. That's deep. You take that verse, young people, Philippians 3.10, and you, you consider that verse, and you will be able to discern God's will. You seek to know him, to abide in him, You seek his power in your life, the power of the resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, and allow yourself to be made conformable to his death. Discerning God's will. I think I'm going to close here with reading a poem. Probably be done a few minutes early here, but the poem is entitled Disappointment. Disappointment. Disappointment, his appointment. Change one letter, then I see. That the thwarting of my purpose is God's better choice for me. His appointment must be blessing, though it may come in disguise, for the end from the beginning open to his vision lies. Disappointment his appointment. Whose? The Lord's who loves me best understands and knows me fully who my faith and love will test. For, like loving earthly parents, he rejoices when he knows that his child accepts unquestioned all that from his wisdom flows. Disappointment, his appointment. No good thing will he withhold. From denials, off we gather. Treasures of his love untold. All my life's plan in his molding. Mm. Put them all in his mold. All my life's plan in his molding. Not one single choice is mine. Let me answer, unrepining, Father, not my will, but thine. May the Lord bless you and give you that kind of heart.